Hey, good morning, Buffalo City Church. How are you? Good. Three of us. Good. You know, a few months ago, I was attending a, a funeral right over at Trinity uh, Lutheran Church here in Jamestown when the officiant asked, uh, um, asked those in attendance to pass the peace. So um, in Baptist circles, kind of like ours, I'd say we're kind of Baptist, that we uh, simply say, you know, stand up, shake someone's hand, tell them you're glad to see them. And then you respond by saying that, that I had a good week, even if things were falling apart. Um, so no, the, the practice of, of passing the peace wasn't something that was entirely unfamiliar to me, but I did not really have a good understanding as to what it was all about. So here's what I learned when I was, when I was reading about it. So the sign of passing the peace is deeply rooted in Scripture itself, specifically in the words spoken by our Savior Jesus. In Matthew chapter 5, this is verses 23 and 24, Jesus says, If you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. You see, Jesus is instructing us, he's instructing Christians, believers, to first be reconciled to others in the church before leaving our offering at the altar. Peace always comes before communion. Peace always comes before communion. In John chapter 14, this is the Last Supper, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And in John 15, he also says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And if you remember, after Jesus had been resurrected, he appeared to his disciples and he greeted them with the words, Peace be with you. You know, as Jesus shares his peace with us, so we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we are to share our peace with one another. Now, peace is uh, an interesting term, isn't it? it? It's always kind of painted with a a broad brush and can be given a bunch of different definitions. Um, You know, for some of us, it means uh, silence and solitude. Um, For busy moms, it means sitting in the Walmart parking lot while the dad can watch the kids for a little bit. And for busy dads, it's sitting in the bathroom, like watching YouTube videos. You know, my dad, who's here, I'm not going to embarrass him, but maybe I will. He like spent a lot of time hanging out in the bathroom when we were kids. And I get it. I totally get it. The bathroom is like such a safe haven. Anyway, that's kind of weird, but you guys know what I'm talking about. But you see, it's none of that. Jesus isn't talking about coming up to take a quick breath of the Holy Spirit before plunging back into the torrent of your everyday trials. When Jesus speaks of peace, he means an absence of striving under our own power. An absence of striving under our own power. The the peace that Jesus is referring to is the peace that we have with God through our faith in his son Jesus. And when we receive this peace, that only Jesus gives, then and only then can we begin to make peace with one another. You know, making peace with others entails more than simply not letting something bother us anymore or, or cutting toxic people out of our lives. I hear that a lot. Do you guys hear that a lot? Cutting toxic people out of our lives? I was like, well, everybody's toxic. I'd have to cut myself out, you know? But as followers of Jesus, the, the peace we leave Others comes from a stillness and an acknowledgement that he alone is God. You know, consider the Apostle Paul for, for a second. You know, if you think about it, if you look 
and the New Testament, every one of Paul's letters begins with the saying, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this greeting of Paul's was indicative of a man who knew Jesus and wanted others to know him as well. And so the reason that we're talking about peace this morning is because Jesus makes a point of talking about it. So the passage we're going to be looking at this morning is actually um, only one verse. It's found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. This is the Beatitudes. So this is one verse, but would you stand for God's word anyway? Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You can be seated. You know, one important thing to note right off the bat is that Jesus is specifically addressing the person being called to make peace and not the destination of peace itself. It's about the person, not about the destination. Jesus is calling on believers to focus on their interpersonal relationship. That's our our relationships with one another as opposed to our intrapersonal relationship, which is the relationship that we have within ourselves. You know, we live in this culture that is so laser-focused on finding peace, but completely disinterested in making peace. We want to find it, but we don't want to make it, because making it costs us something. Making peace may require that we have to admit that we are wrong. It, It may point out our inconsistencies. It may call into question the fact that we are sinners in deep need of a savior. In a book that I recently read by uh, Denver Seminary's president, Mark Young, he says, as the people of God's mission, we are called to make the first move in evangelism. But he says, but that's contrary to our nature. Without even trying our natural tendency, our basic instinct is to be inwardly focused on our own needs rather than outwardly focused on the needs of others. That's why we need Christ to turn us inside out, he says, to fundamentally reorient our heart and soul away from the naked pursuit of our own self-interest and toward the interest of others. You see, Scripture does not say anything about blessed are the peace lovers. It says blessed are the peacemakers. One word, big difference. You see, if we try to find peace in the wrong way, we don't end up with peace, we end up with trouble. Sometimes more trouble than what we began with. You know, for some of us, myself included, I'm definitely part of this, our our tendency is to try to keep the peace at all costs, even when real peacemaking involves taking action. You know, the peace which the, the Bible calls blessed does not come from the evasion of issues. It comes from facing them, dealing them, and through the Holy Spirit, conquering them. Real peacemaking means that we don't passively accept things that we disagree with because we're too afraid to deal with it or too afraid to say something. Making peace, it often comes through difficult, sometimes extremely awkward conversations. You know, maybe some of you this morning, uh, you, you said good morning to someone, you shook someone's hand that you can't stand. I don't know if that's possible. Is that possible? Maybe you've been shaking that person's hand for several years now, and you're grumbling to yourself about how much you can't like them, but but you're not going to address whatever the issue is. See, that's an an example of, of trying to keep the peace and not making the peace. 
So maybe you're thinking, well, that all sounds fine and dandy, but I, I, but I know how this person is going to react if I bring it up, and it's, it's not going to be pretty. If I bring up that elephant that is in the room, it's going to end up sitting on me. You know, the reality is, is that we live in a sinful, fallen world. And I'd be lying to you if I said that addressing the problem is always going to go smoothly. In Romans 12, verse 18, Paul says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. If possible. If possible. You see, Paul, he recognizes that it might not be possible to be at peace with everyone, even when we put in the effort to make peace. But that doesn't change our responsibility that we have to take action in order to make peace. I recently heard another pastor say it this way. He said, it's not our job to calm the storm, but to make sure that the ship is intact. Now, the context of that quote is that far too often, we as Christians place so much emphasis and so much of our time and so much of our energy on the division between the Christian faith and the ways of the world that we neglect our responsibility to the church. You know, for the most part, you nor I nor anyone anywhere has any control over the direction that the world is going. I really hate that. I like to control the narrative. I, I can't. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Paul says, but as for you, as for you, as Christians, we have learned from none other than Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. In Jesus' life and ministry, he models for us this link between peace and salvation and God's sovereign rule and reign. Isaiah 52.7, I'm sure all of this, are, this is familiar to all of us, I love this. It says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. You know, it's hard to bring the good news of the gospel when we're more concerned with the bad news that is going on around us. So here's an intrapersonal question, I-N-T-R-A, intrapersonal question, a question for us to answer within ourselves. Do you get more joy when someone comes to know Jesus as Savior and Lord, or when someone that you disagree with is publicly disgraced? New Testament professor Craig Blomberg, he says that those who work for shalom, for wholeness and harmony rather than strife and discord in all aspects of life, and who reconcile others to God and each other will be called sons of God. And so these aren't, these aren't Craig Blomberg's words, but this is a reiteration of what Jesus was saying. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now this particular beatitude, it must have been, it must have been shocking to the zealots. You know, when Jesus, when he was preaching this, it must have been so shocking because the political landscape at that time was, was heated, extremely heated. I can imagine that the political division possibly looked a lot like it does right here in the United States. So to hear Jesus 
say that you should make peace with your political rivals was a hard pill to swallow. Blessed are those who work for wholeness and harmony rather than strife and discord. So friends, are we working for wholeness and harmony or are we working for strife and discord? You know, Jesus, he, he calls us to live questionable lives and not questionable as in the way of like, what is that person up to? They're up to no good. No, he, he calls us to live questionable lives so that others take notice and recognize that we act differently from others around us. As Christians, we should be conducting our lives in such a way that others are able to look at us and think, now that person follows God. Theologian D.A. Carson points out that in the Old Testament, Israel has the title sons, but now it belongs to the heirs of the kingdom who, meek and poor in spirit, loving righteousness yet merciful, are especially equipped for peacemaking and so reflect of their Heavenly Father's character. See, peacemaking does not require compromise on what Scripture says. It does not and it cannot. But as the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12, this is for Christians, all Christians. He says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in the spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation. That one sticks out to me. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, guys, peacemaking is not cheap. Peacemaking, it it costs us something. It requires trust, not control. In fact, I think it's actually our, our unwillingness to relinquish control that makes peacemaking sound like such an impossible task. Well, without control, we we leave things to chance, though, right? Well, no. Without control, we actually leave things to God. I like the way that Mark Young puts it. He says that Jesus' words, peace be with you, drive out the suffocating uncertainty in the room and fill it with fresh hope. His greeting bestows on them the blessing of shalom, unqualified well-being, life in its fullness. You see, with The entire list of Beatitudes, Jesus speaks to what the citizens of his heavenly kingdom will look like. And the kingdom is here because the king is here. 
Do you ever just think about that, that the king is here? One person say amen. Thank you. The king is here. He's here already. He's here. The kingdom is here. It's on its way. It's here, and it's still coming. It only gets better. Let's say it that way. It only gets better. It only gets better. See, Jesus refers to the poor in spirit, the meek, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, etc., as blessed because they are the fortunate ones. The term blessed can quite literally be translated as those who are to be congratulated. Isn't that great? Those that are to be congratulated. If you have peace with Christ, it's like, congratulations, you've made it. You've made it. I've made it. You know, how cool is that? You know, and this is something so simple. This is so simple, but it doesn't get any better than this. Do you know that this morning, even right now, in the middle of your mess, that Jesus Christ loves you? He loves you. You know, even when we're busy making war rather than peace, Jesus, he still loves us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is found in his son, Jesus Christ. Yet receiving the peace of Christ does not equal an easy life. It doesn't even equal an easier life. In fact, it equals a a much more difficult life. Consider what, what Paul said as he recounts his suffering to the church in Corinth. He says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You know, some of us, maybe all of us, this morning are so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we're despairing of life itself. Maybe you woke up this morning and your cry of desperation to God sounded something like David's cry in Psalm 13, where he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? You know, friends, in our grief, if that's you this morning, if that's me, if that's all of us, in our grief, we have to keep coming back to what is truth time and time and time and time again. And the truth is this, that the one who was dead is still the one that gives life. The one who was dead, past tense, who was dead is still the one who gives life. You see, despair and fear drains life from us, but peace, Jesus' peace, fills us up with life. And as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, thanks be to God who in Christ Jesus always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. You know, during his lifetime, Abraham Lincoln was quoted as saying, die when I may, I would like it to be said of me that I always pulled up a weed and planted a flower 
where I thought a flower would grow. You know, I think this statement made by Lincoln is a great analogy for Jesus' command for Christians to seek to make peace with others whenever it's possible. No, we are, we are, you see, we aren't called by Christ to make peace with one another for no particular reason. No, we're called to make peace with one another because our God is in the business of making peace. He makes peace. And as his kingdom is being ushered in, which is even right now, it cannot be divorced from the king's perfect peace. The prince of peace was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, and upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. You know, although we face difficulties in life, we experience setbacks. Sometimes it feels like constantly. And as we set out to make peace with the world, that is, by nature and rebellion against God, don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of of God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, would you help Buffalo City Church to be known as a people that loves you and understands the fact that that you gave your son Jesus so that we could be reconciled to God the Father and God that we would be people of peace rather than people of division. Uh, God, you know that it's, it's challenging to find that. It's challenging to find how to navigate some situations in life, God. But would you help us to always stay true to what your word says and while at the same time not not stir up more division than what needs to be. God, will we not be a people about that? And I pray for people that um, are, even right now this morning, in rebellion against you, God, that you would use um, this church, your church, Father, to preach the truth, to proclaim the truth, to not make fun of and to not mock others that view things differently, but to, to say it plainly and to listen. Lord, we thank you for the perfect model that your, your son Jesus was for us in the, the peacemaking process. Lord, we thank you for your apostle, for the apostle Paul as well. God, as he, um, as I think about his life and how he was reconciled to you, or he was someone that was very much anti-peace and, and how you did a complete 180 in his life. Father, if those of us that are, um, that are not living in a way that we should live, God, that your Holy Spirit would convict us and that we would turn and that we would follow, follow your leading, Lord, so that we can be a people of peace. Jesus, we love you and we ask these things in your name, the Prince of Peace, amen.